Welcome to the B&E Podcast with Brandon Colby-Cook and Evan Schulte. Exploring the creative process and finding the balance between artistry and industry. Entirely uncut and unscripted. Welcome to the Brandon and Evan Show. So we have a guest today, Seth Sharp. Hey. He is multi-talented dude. He does uh, <laughs> directing, acting, musician. He's flying to the moon. <laughs> he does pretty much everything. Also, uh, someone who I thought would be awesome to have on the show because you and I have such amazing talks all the time. Just like yeah. Evan and I, I find have really deep talks, and I'm I'm actually really excited to introduce you to Evan and just for us all to kind of rift and talk about some things. But uh, today, our focus is going to be a bit about the myths of actually living as an artist and being an artist and why you're doing art in the first place. And maybe we'll share a little bit about your life and your thoughts on that. And our thoughts will clearly come in. Yeah, they always do. (laughs) We always, we always stumble upon something and very often stumble. Yeah. (laughs) And, uh, yeah. And, uh, since you and, um, Evan are both musicians, I figured we could maybe bring up some topics about that, which is maybe not an area that I'm too familiar with, but very curious about hearing your guys' thoughts on. So, I don't know. Where do we begin, Evan? Where do we begin? Well, I mean, if we want to start off with something in in music, I mean, I, I, I don't know a whole ton about, you know, like, I didn't even know really who I was meeting until I... <laughs> until, <laughs> until we met. Until, until we it happened. happened. <laughs> yeah. um, so what, like, you, I know you shared before we started recording um, that you've been playing music for pretty much all your life. I mean, you've you do a lot of different things artistically. Um, you know, is there anything that you, that you gravitate yourself towards more or anything that you identify yourself with more than others at this, at this stage at least? Yeah, no, definitely music. Uh, music is my first love. Um, it was the first thing I really grabbed onto and the, that I was really fulfilling for me. Um, and so that was always, it's always was my baby. It's always been my baby. And I've, I've, I have done stuff with, with, with stage work and film work, but um, I keep coming, I keep coming back to the music because it's for me, it's close to my heart. Right. <clears throat> and like, was there, like, what, what was the thing that inspired you to, to? Be, I don't even know, like, what kind of instruments you play. Or yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> it's true. We haven't, we haven't. Like, that's it. that's a story in itself too, right? It's just like, yeah, what I, brought you to the <laughs> to the first instrument you picked up and put time into? That was my mom and dad for sure. They had. Uh, I have two sisters, and um, they put us all. They gave us violin lessons, like squeaky. <laughs> and I remember us being pretty good. And I remember seeing. I saw a video. Several years later, we were not pretty good. <laughs> not at all. It was just so different than I remember it. Uh, but, you know, we had my mom and dad were so, so proud of us. Um, and then I started taking piano lessons, all three of us, me and my two sisters, and I'm, I, I really stuck with that. Um, and I hated it, but I knew that as lo- if I stuck with this, someday I would be happy that I did. Yeah. Um, and it was, for me, like when I was 9, 10, 11, it was just painful to, to do my scales and practice, but I did it uh, regularly, and I'm, yeah, life-changing. Yeah, you're really so happy. So glad I did. So happy. And then when I turned 18, I just grabbed a guitar. I already understood music and piano, and I started playing a guitar, and then 
jumped in a band, and it kind of just continued growing from there. Right. And you sing, too? Yeah. Yeah. Um, But yeah, so that was kind of how I I did that. So you just got to learn the drums. And maybe the bass. <laughs> <laughs> bass? Bass? I got bass. I mean, like, I'm not a, I'm, I'm definitely not a bassist, but I can stand in on bass. I can do the cowbell. Cowbell? Cowbell's a very important. More cowbell. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just laughing at any of, like, the bass players who are on the other end. It's like, oh, yeah, here we go, of course. Uh-huh. Guitarists can always play bass. Yeah. <laughs> bass players are always dumped on. My, my uncle actually plays bass in a, in a band in, uh, in Saskatoon. And he even jokes himself about just kind of how he's probably the most lacking musician in his band. <laughs> he's like, I still haven't figured out what the bottom two strings are for. <laughs> um, but that's all right. That's that's great. Uh, and like, what kind of music do you like? What kind of genres do you? I mean, you probably branch out. I'm I, sure. I but did. Like, I've and I usually go. Um, I feel like whatever's gonna add most or give me the most uh, growth or diversity so when I started off I started we had it's usually what you've been listening to and a lot of bands start out in punk which is I think a great place to start but I started off doing kind of indie rock um, and we were like fairly typical yeah. you know we thought we were the coolest ever was there some sounds some bands that you took like some inspiration influence from at that time like um, that made you say it's like yeah I want to do some indie rock like there was something about that sound like was there a band that you can kind of or a couple that you can yeah my, that like around that time my sister really turned me on to uh, a lot of what was going on in the, in the UK so like bands like The Wedding Present and I like really worked hard to not like them <laughs> uh, I, I was I was listening to like seventies rocker, and um, I just poo pooed all these, you know, this, right. the British invasion of the the Brit pop of, especially of the nineties. Um, but then I started getting into it, and then I loved it. So a lot of it, you know, the, the inspiration that we had, like, and like the early bands was that I played in was from that stuff. So, but what happened was as we did that, and as we kept pushing. We, we were just, we or I, was I was really serious about it, you know, and it was one of the things we would joke about. Uh, thankfully, I had a guitarist who was very clear to, we got to be able to laugh at ourselves. We can't take this too serious, and I would fall into that trap. So when I moved on from that band, the next band I did, I thought, I have to break free from this, this thing. This is a limitation. So... Um, I started and I got really into the a lot of the the garage rock that was going on. So instead of doing like I was on keyboards and would play guitar and we would mix it all up. So I would created a band that was got rid of all that. We were guitar bass drums. Um nice three piece. Nice three piece. We were dirty. Um just like and and by that I mean like the sound and vibe and feel yeah and I I made some like really clear rules for our band that uh, it was like three rules no ballads uh, everything has to be fun and um, gosh I mean it was mostly those two really yeah Um, nothing too too serious which is almost the same the same thing and then every song that we did uh, we just held them up to those those rules and what it did was 90% of the other stuff was not us we were very clear about who we were and who we were not we didn't want to be all those other things so we just want to be this 
Um, and I was really inspired by this. Uh, it, it was like a behind the music on Ice T or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> and he was when he was like looking at, at rap was happening, and he was saying that it was more important for people to know who they were going to see than even what they sounded like. Hmm. Um, and I really took that to heart, and and I thought about that when I created uh, the next the the band the, which was called the Sharpies, um, and was just really clear that when people come to see the Sharpies, they are coming to see a fun band, and they're going to have a good time, and that's all they need to know. And it's going to be dirty. It's going to be dirty rock, but it's going to be really really fun. Yeah. And also, it was very practical because I knew that if we were going to try and be making our own stuff, starting off on our own. We can't make the shiny packaging because we don't have, you know, $100,000, you know, to give a photographer to take yeah. a picture. So it would, it was uh, practical because it would, it would go with our vibe. Every, mm-hmm. Everything would match and be congruent. So that was the other reason that, it, that yeah. we did that. And it would be simpler for us to, to do everything. It was a good stepping stone and very different and add all the fun that I had, didn't have in my last band. That's, that's really interesting. Like, I, I love how, because we often talk about, like, because you know, we're, we're mostly based, like I, I've played music, you know, I played guitar for, you know, over 15 years now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, but for me, it's like, I, I've never played in a band or anything like that. You know, I just love to do it for myself and, and yeah, I just love to do it for myself. Um, but we mostly talk about like film and acting and TV, like that's, that's our sort of realm. And we talk about like sometimes like being sort of practical, like practicality in art and how you mix it. And, and that's what I like about what you just said. There's this, there's this thing where it's like, well, there was this sound, there was this thing that you wanted to do, but there was also a lot of reasons why this made sense for you in terms of, um, you know, really showing off who you are and, and sort of marketing yourself, which is always this tricky thing and almost like a, a, a curse word in a lot of, you know, artists, quote unquote, you know, in their vocabulary where they're just like, Oh, marketing, you know, I'm going to market myself. <laughs> That's like a, a bad sellout. word for artists. It yeah, is. It's right. It's funny how that is. Right. But right. like it, it's, it's one of those things where it's like, well, you want people to know you, you want people to like and listen or watch or whatever work it is. Well, do you? what you're doing? I mean, like, I think we do. Um, but like, And that kind of gets into, I think, our, our theme of why why do we do that? Mm-hmm. Um, I think we ultimately do, but one of the my huge inspirations for me was was my mom, who is a a painter as artist. She does um, she started off on watercolor and then because currently painting with acrylic on canvas. And one of the things is I would watch her her work and and she j- just kind of did her thing wasn't really worried, it appeared to me like she really wasn't worried what anybody else thought. Um, and I mean, it was nice to get the compliment yeah. when she got it, but if she did something, um, and my dad was very, very supportive of, of, as well, as he's always been, not only of, of her, but of myself and my sisters, um, he, he would tell, oh, that painting is great, it's blah, 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 so good, and then she would paint over it like right over the top of it <laughs> or she would paint on the backside. My dad was like, I love this. And then he turns around and goes, Oh no, I love this too. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it, so it was like, she, you know, she had this internal voice that she would, 
would listen to, and I believe that she that went for if there was something she liked. I believe that if like the whole world came and said that painting is no good, and she liked it, I think she would. And maybe I'm wrong, but I think that she would. No, no, that's that's right. And I've seen it when there have been times when someone has like looked at her work. She has done some things that I think were really out of the ordinary and, and forward thinking and things that you normally don't see. And other artists have come up and just asked her like, what are you going to do with that? Mm. Like, who do you think is going to buy that? Um, and I, I imagine it's coming from a fearful place because they're, if I, I mean, I can see somebody doing something. I've had reactions to people who are doing things that I don't believe that I could do. And I get, I start reacting and I want to criticize it. Yeah. Um, but I believe that there, it's for me as an artist. I strive for to be in touch with whatever that internal voice is, so that it, I know that it's good, even if nobody else agrees. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's so. So is it like there's part of the internal voice of what you want to do as an artist, and there's um, the other side of like wanting to be seen, wanting to be heard, and noticed, and make money and stuff. Is that is that what we're talking about? Like how, how like because I mean I think sometimes people do they are artists not because they really necessarily love art but art's like an opportunity for fame or fortune mm-hmm. or you know or whatever right and then um you know <laughs> some one of my friends was telling me about their their sister or whatever the other day and saying that their sister's like like this person's like i haven't met this person but they were explaining this person to me and they're saying like this person's like an artist like does not care about money and in fact is like <clears throat> in debt but just like so they can do their art you know to them mm-hmm. they're almost like like whether a lot of people see it or don't see it doesn't really matter to them, but they really like doing it for the art. Mm-hmm. And your sister's kind of concerned for her because she's like, well, you know, y- you know, where's your future going? Like, you know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. like in certain ways, I mean, she has a point, but she know, does. That's a, it, a genuine concern. So I think like that, maybe this whole idea of like, you know, we want to have integrity in our art. And we don't want to sell out and, you know, um, but yet we still have to live. We still have to pay the bills and we still have to get by. We still got to eat. You still got to have, you know, some form of clothing and shelter to some degree. Right. I mean, um, so, you know, how, where, how does this all fit? You know, how does all this, like, what, what's it actually like? Cause I think this is really what this podcast is about is like, if you're, if you're going to be a musician or you're going to be an actor or filmmaker or whatever you're going to do, right. Mm Um, you know, what, what like what are some of the realities I don't know that you've experienced just kind of doing that um like being a musician yeah um well one of the the things that, and I'm I like that this that that we went this direction because from music from the music perspective there's always and especially like when I was playing indie rock there's always this too cool for school thing <laughs> and um you you can't be you kind of can't be liked by too many people like, if the wrong people like you, you're doing something wrong. Right. Um, and so you can't be too popular. And so it really fits in nicely because if you're not, it's perfect because that's what you wanted. But um, it's, so I think that, you know, for me, I, I definitely would have these confusing things just so that I could feel good about myself when we didn't sell out a show and when it didn't yeah. go really well. Um, but uh, what you bring up about... So yeah, like we have this in-between space where we're doing our art, we need to make money off of it, which means that that people need to like it and place value on it and buy your CD and pay for your show, 
Um, but then you get criticized if you sell out. Mm-hmm. So, like, what is selling out, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, and why is it bad? Yeah. Because, you know, I, I think when I grew up, I always felt it was when I sacrificed my artistic integrity to make a buck. Well, I think that's like, I mean, that's the big thing we're trying to uncover on this show, just in all sorts of various ways and hearing different opinions. I mean, because how do you have artistic integrity and not sell out, but still... When there's certain demands being being placed on you, or yeah. there at least there can be certain demands that are being placed on you, and yeah, it's like it's it's a tricky thing to navigate. Yeah, so that's where you need to get clear on why do you want to be an artist. Mm-hmm. So, <clears throat> so I guess you know, like, <clears throat> there's probably no problem if someone wants to be like, you know, they want to be a, a big thing, they want to be a media icon, you know, as a musician or whatever. But um, you know, there's a certain kind of game I suppose you have to play, you know, but is that selling out? I don't know. Like where, where does the, where do you even draw the line? on? Yeah. I mean, it's like to like, we'll, we'll stay on music. Like for me, one of, you know, and, and, and I don't want to be critical here because I, I sort of see what, what they're doing, but, um, you know, like you look at, I look at something like Coldplay, what they've done with their sound now, which I would say is far more, commercial what they're doing now. Um, you know, but they're, you know, they're doing this thing like it's like they're, there's, they're full of color and like, you know, like it's this, it's this massive spectacle and it's just kind of like this modern hippie sort of, you know, 21st century hippie image that they're, that they're putting out there. For me, I prefer their music from where they started, you know, and to me, I might say they sold out a little bit, but perhaps for them, they felt that this message that they're putting, I mean, they did the Super Bowl halftime show and they had like the whole side of like the audience spelt like write out, um, uh, believe in love or something like that. You know, like I thought, well, that's kind of a powerful statement for them to be doing. They got like a billion people watching this mm-hmm. and you know, you've got this message that you're trying to put out there. And, and I realized that's what they've been somewhat doing over the last few years, even though musically, I feel like they've taken a bit of a step. Well, I don't know about backwards. (laughs) That would be a subjective thing on my part, but you know, they've taken a different step, which is a departure from what they've been doing musically. You know, I, I, I mean, I don't know, because I'm not as familiar with the the music industry, but I, I know the film industry pretty well, but I find that the, with the film industry, people are way harder on musicians for selling out than they are for say like a filmmaker or, or an actor. I mean, sometimes I think actors get it hard, but like musicians get it really hard. Like it's like, but you know, I think if you, if you want to be on the, on the bigger world stage, there's certain things that you have to participate in. Like, for example, you know, I don't know, just from screenwriting, for example, you know, uh, I think of myself as a storyteller. I don't think of myself as like, I need to write dramatic films or I have to write, you know, whatever. I'll write, I don't really care what the genre is. I'll learn the genre, I'll write the genre. To me, a great story is a great story. You, you put, put it in any medium, give me any type of characters, it doesn't really matter. That's how I look at it. So, you know, some of those stories that I write that are like these sci-fi stuff, they're way more commercial than some of the stuff that I might more naturally write just on my own. Yeah. But I don't think of that as selling out. I think about that as kind of an interesting challenge. You know what I mean? Yeah. So like, is it not the same for a, uh, for a musician, like to try a different sound out to like, to play around in a different genre than they're known for? 
not okay. <laughs> not, not okay, right? It's, it's not. It, yeah. It's it's a it's a shame. Um, like I think some very very few do it successfully. I think someone, in, in my opinion, who has done it really successful and who's like absolute guilty pleasure of mine um, is Taylor Swift. Okay. <laughs> so like she started off in country. Yeah. And country has its whole own thing that they are very particular about the, the where your country music is from. And I don't know country music as well, but she made a pretty successful crossover into pop. Um, I've never followed her, but like I've heard the songs off her most recent album. I think they're really, really as a, a songwriter, I think that the songs are solidly written, I think they're well produced. I don't think they're overproduced. I don't think they sound too slick. Um, I just think it's a really well done done album. But in general, you pick an area. So like, you know, you have the Rolling Stones and that gets, that it has entirely to do with um, people need to know who they're going to see. Yeah. Um, which is more important than how, how they sound like. So, or the, the idea behind that concept. So like, when you go to see the Rolling Stones, you know how, you know more or less what that is and what that represents for you. Yeah. Which is very different then, you know, especially for that time, if you're going to go see the Beatles. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and they don't... They, if they started playing, you know, if they started playing <clears throat> something that was completely outside of their genre, everybody would, would be, like, confused. And they would... Yeah. We experienced that ourselves with the Sharpies because I wanted to start growing. I wanted to because once, cause once we got our thing down... We would nail it. We were very good at it because that's all we did. This mm-hmm. one little area. And so then when I wanted to grow, uh, we started doing a band change-up. And instead of bringing on a bass guitarist, we brought in a, a girl who played the... She was a concert pianist and a violinist. So picking up the bass for her was easy. She became our bass guitarist, but then we would put her on a violin for a couple of songs. So we were a violin, guitar, drums. And uh, we started exploring and experimenting with some new things because I wanted to, I really wanted to switch things up and and do something that I hadn't seen before. And people who would come and see us, it was like putting a wrench in the whole thing. They just didn't know what to do. Yeah. They'd come and they'd be like, puzzled look and be like, what is this? Like, wait, who are you trying to be? Like, yeah. Yeah. It's too much of a departure. Yeah, it was. And they look and it's like, no, 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 no. You're the Sharpies, and you do X, Y, Z. Yeah. Like, I, I think I'm gonna leave now because I don't know what this is. Mm. Um, so that's the, that's the experience that, that bands have. So you have, you have to tread the line behind evolving. So you're not putting a, a, the same album out every year. So you're changing enough as you move, but within, within, within a certain what you do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Within a certain area that's comfortable or that that defines you. Well, you know, it's interesting, like, I mean, because I think expectation from audiences is important and the image they build in their head. And, you know, I think we can... I think it's important to be aware that it exists. Be aware and make exists. your decisions from there. Yeah. Because, I mean, like, I mean, I mean, I know you've been learning a lot about marketing and branding. That's been a big topic that I've been learning a lot about. But, um, for example, in filmmaking, like in making a film, there's a... The, 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 one of the biggest mistakes amateurs make is they take two genres and they combine them and they try to make a new genre. And the problem is, is like, if you were to say, 
I'm getting like it actually doesn't really work, but people will make like a I'm gonna make an action drama. You know what I mean? They, they combine two major jo- dramas or two major genres, and they kind of combine them together and make them this new thing, right? They're like I'm gonna make it more emotional than any action movie and whatever, and it doesn't really work because there's a set group of people that like action movies, and there's a set group of people that like drama movies, and actually if you were to take those two audiences, they would probably argue about what a good movie is and be both totally right from their own perspective and not agree with either. So that's like saying like, let's get this group together as one (laughs) and get them to agree on the same things. And the things that one group hates about the other type of movie, the other group hates about their type of movie. And now you're trying to feed them both things they don't like. Whereas there's another term in, in genre doing where you can genre bend, which is like where you kind of, you know, you have a movie where it has a little bit of something else. There's like a example is like, like butter chicken is like kind of like a type of chicken you could have. Right. So that's kind of like genre bending, but it'd be like, like chicken lime pie would be like combining two things that don't don't work together. Right. Like it's like, that's how people experience the movie. So I think like as a, as a band, I wonder like maybe you can genre bend a little bit, but not like combine like a whole new style into something that people aren't ready for. You know what I mean? Yeah, that that kind of <clears throat> almost get touches on an aspect of of artistry that I'm a huge fan of, um, and that is the art of coming up with with a type of art. So, as a musician, I can go out there and write a, a, a song. I can do an album. Uh, you can go out and write a movie, um, but you're still following in the path of the other people, hundreds, thousands of people who have who have kind of tested and found out that 90 minutes, 120 minutes works really good for film length. And the Buzzcocks and the Sex Pistols put out albums that were 12 songs long, just like Britney Spears did, just like, you know, lots of other, you know, just like Donny Osmond did. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they're trying to be these rebels bucking the system, doing the exact same thing Right. That other people are doing. So, you know, when I saw this um, a, a Russian girl who did uh, a video on YouTube where she would take some music and she would have, have sand. I don't know if you guys saw this. Sand on... It was like a, a glass plate with a camera underneath it. And she would draw pictures in the sand to the music and told the whole story that way. Wow. Now, I've never seen that type of art before. I've seen paintings, I've heard people play music, I've seen interpretive dance, I've never seen that. Mm -hmm. The idea of being able to come up with, and it was, for me, it was really moving. Um, And then just having appreciation for this person who set out to do something that, that, a type of art that nobody had ever done before, Mm -hmm. and then be artistic with that. Um, It sounds like, well, you take someone like that. So it's hard, I guess what I'm saying, (laughs) to tie it into what you were saying, is that bending those and changing those is, is very difficult Yeah, because they've, they, they've been found and they work for a reason. Yeah. They have a well-worn path. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, well, <clears throat> okay. So why don't we talk a little bit about lifestyle? Like, you know, being an actor, being a musician, being a director, you know, all this, like what's life, what's life really like, you know, what's the well, life he thought yeah, you'd well, be? <laughs> let's, let's first maybe address what, what the myths are or what maybe sure, some what are the myths? illusions yeah. are about some of these different fields. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess with acting, I mean, there's, 
Actually, they're maybe not so much myths, <laughs> a large degree. <laughs> but um, I don't know. I, I think that that the biggest one that that people have is that acting is just like well, you learn you learn your lines and you you figure out how to how to say things in a certain way to you know affect a certain emotion. And that's really not what an actor's job is, you know, when you get deep down into it, Mm -hmm. you know, it's not just like, Oh, like a, it's not just a clever interpretation of, of lines. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, I was thinking, and I was thinking like a little bit like the lifestyle of, Oh, the actual lifestyle. The lifestyle is like, uh, you know, when you show up to like become an actor, like I think, you know, I don't know, just being in LA, like, especially there during pilot season, you know, there's that term, which is kind of like, where's this boulevard? It's everywhere. The boulevard of broken dreams, you know, it's just like everywhere you walk around, you just see these like broken souls who are like thought they were going to make it and didn't make it, you know, and now they're, they're a lifetime waiter, you know what I mean? Because they don't really, and they have no access to really understanding like the business of how it actually works. You know what I mean? Because it, and that, there's a lot of people in the industry who dedicate their life to it and work really, really hard. Yeah. And that's what you're up against. And also a lot of the people that work really hard don't understand that working hard isn't enough. I don't know how it works as a musician, but, um, I know that there's some musicians I've heard who have been really great, but they just don't have any, no one knows who they are, you know, yet there's some musicians who, I don't know, they make a lot of money and they're so, so in my opinion, you know what I mean? But this is like where it kind of, like, how does these things happen? You know what I mean? Um, uh, I, I don't know. Like there's like maybe the, the miss, the ideas of like, what, what's it going to be like if I go and do this thing? You know, that's what I was thinking when you talk about. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, one of the big things I've come against is like, you know, you, people think that you, you've booked a part, you know, you book something and like, I'm for whatever reason, suddenly I like, I've got tons of money. <laughs> oh yeah, right, right. Just like, are you kidding me? Like, for one, <laughs> it doesn't pay as well as you think it does. Yes. Like, it does pay well, but it's like it can pay well. It can pay well, but a lot of times it does not pay very much. And even if it does pay well, it's like, well, those like you don't get those every day. No, like that you that one thing could be after months or even years of auditioning, of going out for stuff and nothing. So like by the time you calculate what you've even maybe made, you know, over the oh, last yeah, couple of years of and you divide that up, it's like, geez, that means I made about, you know, three grand a year <laughs> based on that <clears throat> paycheck. Yeah. Well, and another one I know about acting is like, oh, once I get my TV show, I've made it, you know, once I get my show and it's like, <laughs> until it gets canceled. <laughs> oh, oh no. It's, you know, and especially if you're, you know, especially if you're in Vancouver, I mean, shows that are local make it two, maybe three years, then not really beyond that. And then you're not necessarily going to be in another show after that. And so I always think like that is such a myth because if you get a TV show, now you have some claim. Now you have a little bit of pull. That's when you want to make a film. That's when you want to get something that you want to do ready because everybody wants to work with you right now. You're hot. Yeah. But once that show time. Yeah. Once that show's over, your old news, they're on to the next person. Right. And I think that this kind of lack of pro- productivity for actors 
is like one of those myths that, oh, I've made it now. So everything's kind of on easy street now that I've made it. Like it, it'll just keep coming, but it doesn't, you know? And, and I've watched many people get their show and now they're not on a show and everything is just back to normal, you know? Yeah. yeah. Well, so, and I, I'm going to, I know I'm kind of going to switch a little bit of gear here, but it's within sort of what we, we sure. came in with about the why, right? You know, the why, the why fits in here. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's, if you're like, especially for actors, you know, and I know that I thought this too, you know, like something similar to that. It's like, Oh, you know, I'll just go like my agent will send me out for auditions. I'll go and I'll start to book stuff. And, and that's how we'll get this ball rolling. Well, the next thing, you know, you've been going out for stuff. It's harder than you thought it was going to be to like, you know, crack your way into it. And you've been doing a bunch of material that you didn't, you haven't even necessarily liked that you've, in fact, you might even dislike a lot of the material and you've, and you've put so much of your heart into doing something that is not of very much weight to you, like personally, like, Mm. like, and, and now you're, you find yourself completely like artistically devoid, devoid of anything because you're just like, well, what am I even doing here? You know, Mm -hmm. this is what I wanted. And, but if it means doing this kind of work, is that really what, what I want? Or was it just, you know, did you get into doing this simply because of the idea of it was something that was appealing to you? Mm -hmm. Right. And then that's, I feel that's what a, a crossroads that I think comes up for, I would imagine artists in almost any, any sort of discipline where it's like, you know, you have this idea of what being this thing will, will be like, you know, even some of the great, like you talk about like some of the great bands and artists, like from back in the day, um, you know, I watched a documentary, uh, with the Eagles, you know, and they were like, they basically like, they got into it for the women, (laughs) you know, like they were like, that's how it all started. But then eventually it turns into something else because it's like, okay, well you have that, right? you got that, right? Not that they weren't still trying to do a very great job at, at making music, but they had um, a different why. They but now there's evolve. a different why because yeah. yeah, you reach this thing where it's like, well, wait, hold on a second. Like, do I go down this path of just kind of churning stuff out, you know, like almost, you know, phoning it in or do, is there something of, of deeper meaning to me in mm-hmm. what I'm doing? Yeah. I think a lot of people don't understand, um, what it means to work hard. And that's a really broad statement. Um, and I'm, it was definitely my experience. I didn't understand it. Um, cause when I was thinking about this, I was thinking, okay, so I'm going to set out on this path and I'm going to work to be successful as, as a musician. And that's going to be hard. But like, what does that mean? Mm-hmm. What is it? That's going to be hard means if, if you mean, if you, when you like listen to bands, they all, every band that is, has a level of success that almost all of them are spoken of as, uh, being one of the hardest bands, working bands and show business. They can't all be the hardest working. (laughs) (laughs) They all have to be working really hard. Um, and then you, you sometimes hear stories of, of what they went through and I've had the experience, um, of getting into a new field and working really hard and just, I mean, like I'm get, if, uh, I'm giving 110%. And then I, I 
have whatever success and failures during that period. And then I've had the, been fortunate enough to work with somebody in that field who has more experience than me. And I've had more than once come to find out that I had no idea what hard work was. Mm. I thought that I did. And I'm having this conversation with this per- person. Yeah, oh, I'm working hard. And I wasn't. Um, you know, I mean, there's, and there's lots of examples of actors of the lengths that they went to to try and, and make it. Yeah. You know, I mean, from from sleeping on the streets to making sacrifices to just. And so when those people are out there putting that much work and, you know, that they're your competition. Yeah. Not in a bad sense, in a positive sense. Yeah. In that uh, they, can, they can inspire you to do that, too. They're proven it can be done. Right. So you can you can use that as as well but for me I really had to and I'm still learning just what working hard means Mm -hmm. I think you gotta you know I think you like to like speaking of artistic integrity you gotta work hard and not try to find some type of easy way out like I mean you can can work smart but I think like you know sometimes people try to take the easier road out and I mean you know I mean let's let's just be honest. I mean, you know, sometimes people are sleeping with people to get roles and do things like that. I mean, this is actually happening. This isn't just something people talk Mm -hmm. about that actually happens. So, you know, and I think that's, that's where you really start to compromise yourself because is it really worth it that you got this role, you know, doing it this way? Right. And I, I just think like, you know, I think there's smart ways to do stuff, but yeah, like working hard is something that you got to almost like go, well, I got into a field where there's a lot of people trying to go for the same thing. And if I want to compete and I want to be, you know, I want to have the lottery ticket, winning lottery ticket for that spot and have good numbers, so to speak on my lottery ticket, then I'm going to need to do hard work. That's like, they go hand in hand. If you want to choose an easy job, choose something that's like, you know, something that's available. It's mm-hmm. uh, you know, supply and demand. There's a lot of supply and not a lot of demand and you know, you'll have no problem. But when you're trying to pick something where there's like very, very little supply, unless you create it and a lot of demand, I mean, you signed up for hard work, you know? And I think that's one of the myths that needs to be broken for sure. Mm-hmm. It's like, if you want to be an actor and you, and you don't want to make your own work and you want to write your own work, but you want to be a successful actor. And uh, I just know this is probably the same for musicians, but you want to be a successful actor you need to love that there's hard work involved. I think you need to start to embrace that and enjoy that. Yeah, I, you know? that was something that was going through my mind. It's like that I've been, you know, really starting to figure out is, is like, you know, there's certain work that, like, especially with, you know, this, like, opening up the acting school, you know, it's like there's elements to it that I'm just like, I, I just don't like this part of it. You know, like, all I want to do is, like, I want to get in there and I want to teach actors. I want to teach people to do this thing, right? Like I want, that's, that's what I want to do. And that hasn't changed. That's really at the end of it. That's the most important thing to me. But then there's the, all of this other aspect of it where it's just like, well, hold on. How are people going to know about this? How are people going to like, you know, come in and, 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 and hear what the message that I'm trying to say. And so there's all this, I'm like, Oh, like I, I'm like, I hate this kind of stuff. I hate having to do this kind of work. And so now I'm just like, okay, well, hold on. I just hate the way that I'm approaching this. Mm. You know, I hate the way that, 
you know, it's, it's the way that I'm looking at it that is creating this. So now I'm just like, well, how can I love doing this work? How can I find the joy in it? Because I feel like, you know, if, if there's not joy in what, in, in what you're doing, then, then find something else to do because Mm -hmm. if there's no joy, then what's the point, you know? Well, you know, and I don't want to cut you off stuff, but, um, the, the whole thing is like, they say, I, I heard a statistic and this was not too long ago, but it was something like musicians, working musicians who are uber successful and make multi-million dollars, like, uh, um, what's his name uh, of one of the biggest bands in the world? Uh, he, anyway, whatever they work about, they work, apparently they're on stage for about 5% of their career. Oh yeah. 95% of it is marketing and doing the legwork and doing the meetings and social and setting up events and whatever they do with all the things that are going on. So I think that you have to love that 5% so much that you're willing to do the 95% of the work that's required. And I think that, you know, everything that's really awesome is like that, you know, like running an acting school is the same way. It's like, I mean, I know this personally from teaching movies. Like I, I started teaching people how to make movies and write scripts. In reality, I probably do that for 5% of the time. And, and it's a really amazing 5%. But most of the time I'm, I'm delegating, I'm building things online. I'm learning marketing. I'm putting videos together. I'm doing all this other stuff that isn't what initially what I thought, but I found that I do love it enough where I'm willing to do the work. And I think where most people burn out and die off is they're, they, they're not, they want to somehow cheat that work, you know, but that works necessary, you know? And eventually I think, you know, you get good enough where you can start to have enough people do more of that work, but you're still not, you know, you have to do a lot to set that up. Well, that work kind mm-hmm. of teaches you what, what has meaning to you. Right. Like it'll show you whether it, you yeah. really care about it or not. Right. Yeah. This, I mean, this is such a beautiful part because everything that we've talked about come together here. It comes back to our question of why are you being an artist? Is it to get, you know, the, the, the checks and, and stuff like that. That's not going to work in the long run because the amount of people that are doing ridiculous amounts of work to, to get there, like the amount of work behind uh, every overnight success is amazing. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, there's years that you never see. Yeah. Um, and so it's just the amount of work to get to that level to where you're in the, the top 1%, uh, is tremendous. And that's why it's so important that you love what you do because there's just no other way that you will go through what you have to go through and that you will do all the work for the amount of hours, whatever you have to do to get there. Mm-hmm. It's only those, those few people who just absolutely love it. Mm-hmm. Well, and there's no, there are no shortcuts. I mean, because there are even, no shortcuts, even if you, I mean, and I think the only exception is that when people don't understand the difference between working smart and working hard, like sometimes like, like sometimes, and this is something I've been learning in business. For example, um, there's jobs that initially were good for me to do so I could learn how to do them, but now they're not, it's not smart for me to do them anymore. Now it's much better for me to actually get an assistant, hire someone, get someone to do that work because now I've advanced and I've grown beyond that stage. Mm -hmm. And so it's important that I work smart and I get someone to do this tedious work because if it takes me 
X, even if it takes me X minutes, but if it takes me X amount of hours or whatever to get something done, that's X amount of hours that I could have been doing something else that no one else could do, mm-hmm. right? Where someone else could do that. And since I know how to do it and it's tedious or it's simple, I could teach someone how to do that. And yeah. I think that's where actors, musicians, we're all like, it doesn't matter where you are at some point, that initial stage of you putting up your own flyers in a, it, that is not what you need to be doing anymore. At a certain yeah. point, you need to learn how to get that to work, but then you, then you need to move on from yeah. that. That's working smart. But the, the point I was going to make was like shortcuts, like say someone sleeps with someone to get the role that is still going to bite you in the ass later because you never built the work ethic to get it. So eventually yeah. that role is going to be over and you're going to be on the same train again, but you never built the work ethic to get the train to get to the destination. Yeah. So it won't matter, you know? Yeah, you only have one way that you know how to get there. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And also, like, you know, to put yourself out there, too. Like, to, like, no one will know. Like, you could be doing the most brilliant thing, and unless you're putting it out there, you know, and, and sometimes, like, there, like, while there is, like, a lot of hard work, sometimes, you know, I, and I know that this is something that I've been guilty of and I'm, I'm working at getting better, is that, you know, I've got, is being a perfectionist, in your work can be such a hindrance sometimes, you know, I've, I've heard perfectionism, uh, described as, um, the, uh, Oh, I'm going to screw this up now. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. (laughs) Is the, uh, it is the unwillingness to, is the unwillingness to move on Mm. or to move forward. Sorry. The unwillingness to move forward is perfectionism. Uh, because, you know, if you're, if you're, you're doing all this work and you could just endlessly be working at some one little task, one little thing, eventually that's, you've got to just, you've got to put it out there, you know, and, and get something happening. Um, it's like the principle of, uh, the, or the law of diminishing returns. When you hit that point of diminishing returns where, you know, you hit that 90, 95 percentile, the, the, just the returns for the amount of work it would take to close the gap between the last few percent is so small that the amount of work you would do to, to do that difference, it doesn't, that's when perfection needs to kind of go, okay, we, we hit that point. Now we got to move on. Yeah. It's like, and it's an, it's an ego thing too. I think so. I think as well. It's like this idea of being able to like just perfect something, you know, I think that any sort of great artistic work that some people would, would call perfection. I mean, that, that is something that just happens out of, out of, uh, out of a dedication to the creative thing that's happening. Um, and working through, I know we talk about that a lot yeah. just about this creative, about, you know, we talk about like a creative force. At least I like to talk about it because <laughs> I believe in it because mm-hmm. I believe in, in this thing that's actually, it's something that I describe is it works in through and as us. And it's not, and it's not just us. Like, we're not just like, we're not just like, like in our heads, just going like, okay, I'm going to come up with like this next thing. Like Mm -hmm. there's something that works through us. Um, and you've got to allow that and you've got to put it out and then you've actually got to put it out. Well, it's sharing. I mean, you know, I like that you put, you, you know, I think I like how you put the idea of you got to put yourself out there. I mean, I think that's so important because I mean, you know, that whole theory of, oh, like build it and they will come is not true today. Not no. in the slightest. Like it is, you know, and, and, you know, we've talked about this Seth with marketing, like people are marketing stuff that has no value, but they're really good marketers. And, 
you know, things that are well marketed will do better than things that are actually really good and of high quality. Because oh, yeah. Marketing has nothing to do with whether it's the best product for you. No. So yeah. the thing is Donald that, Trump, case in point. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Marketing out the No tube. substance. <laughs> Great marketing. Um so yeah, so I mean uh with so with this so I think whatever you're doing, I mean this is where the thing the sell out stuff comes, you know, is like if I market myself I'm selling out somehow, but you have to. Yeah, I was going to say that is a good good point. I think it's important that if you're worried about selling out, you're still worried about what everybody thinks about you and you're not you're missing the whole point in my opinion of what yeah. of what you're doing. Yeah. And it's going to be your big one of your biggest it's going to I don't know if it'll be your biggest limitation, but it will be a big limitation for you. Um and I think it's more about knowing why you're doing it, what you want to try and accomplish and does this help you get there or not. Mm-hmm. Whatever anybody thinks about you yeah, well, that's, it's that's not really in your control. control. Yeah, that has nothing to do with hopefully what what you're doing and why you're doing it. Well, I think sellout. And you know, as we're we're having this conversation, it's just kind of hitting me. I'm like, sellout is how I look at myself. It's not how other people look at me. You know what I mean? Like, because mm-hmm. you know, like, you yeah, only, know, only you know if you actually did or yeah, not. Only you know if you did, right? Like, if uh, if I look at myself in the mirror at the end of the day and I don't and I know what I did, because I will always know. And I don't like it. That, that was the issue. Whether someone goes, Oh, you know, Brandon did this and he's a seller, whatever. Like it doesn't matter their opinion. That's an observation. They don't understand necessarily what I'm doing, why I'm doing it. No one's inside of my mind. No one knows why I do. They can have guesses just like I can have guesses of why you guys do what you do. But for me to pass judgment on that or anybody to, we don't know. Right. Yeah. But we can definitely pass judgment on ourselves because we know. Like we know we are in our own mind, right? Yeah. Only, you know, what's good enough mm-hmm. for you mm-hmm. or where you've compromised or not. I mean, yeah. Like music is one, like, as we, t- as we talked earlier, like in, in film and, and stuff like there's so many, there's so many layers to it. There's so many people involved with something like that, that it's like, nobody's necessarily labeled as big as like, uh, as being a sellout, you know, like nobody was calling Darren Aronofsky a sellout for doing, um, uh, <laughs> Noah. Noah Noah right okay. like for a guy who did like these like you know these really sort of like indie pieces and stuff and then he goes and does this big huge blockbuster movie no one called him a, like really called him a sellout it was just you know like they said a lot of other things about it but to call him a sellout nobody did it because there's just like it's a massive production mm-hmm. but for music I think it's because there might be like there's a fewer like there's fewer people kind of in between the audience and, and you making the music, you know, obviously there are a lot of hands involved, like, Mm -hmm. you know, at a certain level where through the production of it all. But I, I feel like music is one of those things where it's like, you know, people, they love these bands that only they know about. Oh yeah. You know, and like, (laughs) it's like, it's like, Oh yeah, yeah. There's, they're this great, there's this great little band that comes out of, you know, Budapest and, (laughs) Or something like that, and then the Less moment known, the better. Yeah, and then the the moment they get success, you know, they they become huge. It's like, oh, I don't, you know, I don't like them anymore. They sold out. It's like, well, yeah, it's they because other people know no, they didn't sell out. Your identity is you like small bands, mm-hmm. and they don't fit your identity anymore. So you call them a sellout because they didn't give you what you wanted anymore, mm-hmm. and now you got to go find someone else. So I think that's the thing. Is like, it's like 
as you, an artist, you're going to grow and evolve. And sometimes you're going to grow and evolve beyond your, your friends. You're going to grow and evolve beyond your fans. You know, I think, I think this is for a musician. I think this is important because, you know, if you want to transition, you might have to let go of the fans you have, be willing to risk that to go and find new, new fans. If you want to venture into yeah. a new medium, I mean, yeah. cause otherwise, I mean, I think like, I think of it like, well then what's the, what's the reverse? I'm, I play music for the rest of my life the same way just because people like it. And what if I'm totally bored of that? You know, I, I think like, man, yeah. that would suck. And, it, but I mean, that's uh, in music, that's a bit of a death sentence too, because you're just like, you know, your, your audience starts to grow a little bit, bit tired of it. They're like, Oh, you've put out the same album the last couple of years. And yeah, there's very few bands that have managed to like do this thing where they, they stay true to what they are, but also can reinvent their sound in, in some ways. Like one of my favorite bands today, uh, is, is the black keys. I mean, I'm just like, I love blues, love blues rock. And I love every, like, I love the span from where they start to where they are now, because when you li- like, you listen to their newest one and then you go back and listen to like rubber factory or something. And it's just like their early stuff was just filthy and grimy. And I love it. So but good. Their new <laughs> stuff is so like, like almost like just meticulously produced and there's so many layers that are in it. And I actually think that their newest out and, but I've heard a lot of people criticize them because they loved them when they started when they were a two piece band, they were doing like, you know, they were doing festival shows and, and just blowing people's faces off, you know, these two guys. And now like, I, I know a lot of people are like, Oh, they've gotten too, like, I, I, people think they've gotten a little bit too commercial. They become, I'm like, I don't know. Like for me, subjectively, I thought that their new album is maybe their best album yet. Like Mm -hmm. in terms of the sounds that they've, they've gotten into, I don't think they've really compromised on who they are at all, but they're, they're one of those bands that I think like they've had a beautiful evolution in their sound where it's still like, yeah, that's the black keys. Mm. But now they're, they're giving me something fresh every single time that I Mm. listen to a new album. Yeah, that's cool. And they're also one of those bands who have done, they're just so stupidly good at what they've done. Um, I saw, I was at a a music festival where I saw several different, all of them top bands play. And it was such a difference when they played because um, as a musician, I can see when people are like have backing tracks, pre-recorded tracks going on. And it, it was, I saw it a lot during the festival and I specifically noticed it was so different with them. They definitely didn't have that. And, um, yeah, like they, they, gosh, they've been playing for so long. I mean, I think, I don't know how long, but I picked up on them several, several years before they, they got really big. And I was wondering why they weren't popular at that point. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure they had been going long before that. One of the hardest working bands in music. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. So, okay. So to bring it back, um, to what we were talking about earlier, Seth, you were talking about your band and how you started to change. I actually, yeah, I was thinking about that when you brought it up, when, when we hit this point, when I wanted to evolve and the fan, it didn't seem like it was working with the fans. Uh, I decided to end the band. And now we could have probably tried to, to work it and people eventually would have like caught on board. But at the time, like we had done really well with what we had done. Um, I feel like I had broken that serious thing. I was, we were now very good at something else. 
and it was for me I made the decision to end the band um, and there were there were people who were like what are you doing you've got we had a very successful band um, and people were just like what are you why are you doing this Every you've got everything going for you and um, my decision was for that reason because though we had something good I think we can be more than that and I felt like that, that the best vehicle is to create a new one to do that where I can go in from the very beginning and define the limitations because that's something I think is really important in any art define the limitations or the what I'm going to work with to create the new project hmm. so why, why do you end it? I, I don't still don't understand. Because I wanted to grow beyond where it was and I didn't think that was the best vehicle. Yeah. We were like very specifically designed to be one thing. Um, so, and we were successful. We were wildly successful at that. But I wanted to, to grow it and have it be more. So for instance, we so had... So you didn't really want... Well, you wanted different things than like... To, to give you like a, a concrete example, our, we had a lot of the energy for our songs is up. You know, we we didn't have any ballads, nothing like serious. So they were all up, poppy, fun. Well, you have like 45 minutes of poppy and fun. Poppy and fun can get boring. Mm-hmm. So it's good to have the dynamics, not only in each song, but the dynamics of your set list, the dynamics of what you're capable of doing. And we're capable of doing so much more than that. But it didn't, the vehicle I don't think was right to present it in that way. Mm. So I wanted to create a new vehicle from the start where it does fit and it does work to do that. And I don't think I was ready to do that before. And now I I had grown to the point where I felt like, yes, I am ready to take take something else on. So did you end up building another band or are you planning on doing that? So um, I didn't. I went on and did a... I started because I was also working in, in theater uh, at the time and in film and so uh, we took on a, a project because we would we did these uh, a friend of mine had started a restaurant and she, she would throw parties all the time and one day she, her and I were chatting and we said we should do a Ziggy Stardust night and she's like oh my gosh that would be amazing and you guys can be the spiders from Mars <laughs> and I was like hold on a minute like I don't know if I'm up for that you know David Bowie was amazing yeah um, and so long story short, I, I said, we'll try it. And we wound up putting six songs together and just, it was amazing. Uh-huh. And then we, we did it like two or three more times and someone suggested that we do uh, Hedwig and, uh, and the Angry Inch, the, which is currently on Broadway, uh, the rock musical. And I didn't even know who Hedwig was. And uh, we, long story short, we wound up doing it hugely successful and from that experience I realized that you can do so you can if you have if you have 90 minutes of someone's time in your hand you can do so much a a show and playing music is a great way to do it but you can do so much more and when we did the Hedwig I had the experience of doing much more than that because Hedwig first off is a great glam rock show but it's also got a really good story it's the whole thing is just one you know, stand-up comic joke. It's not literally, but it has a lot of humor in it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and just to have so many of all of those things, um, and because of my history playing music, it was it was 
much I had an advantage there. Yeah. That it was easy for me to to take care of that that portion of it. So it was it did really well that the producer and I decided instead of putting it on again, uh, we would write our own uh, musical. And so that's currently where I yeah, that's in the writing right process now. of that yeah, of that right cool. now, which now is super exciting because yeah, now I get to to kind of marry all the things that I've been working on. And uh, I can't wait to write the songs for that. We're working on the script right now. Yeah. Um, so so that's you're my enjoying the creation element of it. Yeah, yeah. And it's, it's you know, I, I don't have as much story writing experience as you do. That hasn't been what I've been working on. Now. But it's, um, we're, we're, we're working on it and uh, trying to get figure, figure it out. And it's, I love the, the process of doing that. I think it's amazing that you had a band that was like succeeding. And you had this fan base and all this stuff, and you kind of was like, okay, I'm going to drop that and move on. You know, I think, like, that's something that is unexpected to me. That's, like, plot twist. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, that's, a, that's like, a very character-defining moment, it seems, in your life, where you kind of, like... And I, I, I'm, I'm very interested in that because I think, like, you know, there's a lot of people who are musicians out there, and they go, yeah, they'd love to be super successful and have, like, a, a following and all that stuff. And, like... You know, clear, to me, it seems. I mean, I'm I'm just projecting or assuming, but like your, it wasn't the most important thing to you, to have that, to have that following, to have that. Like, oh, it has nothing to do with that. Yeah. Has oh my god, has nothing. Oh man, no, <laughs> no, so it doesn't. So it's funny, like, and and you were talking about the Eagles, how they did it for the girls, and it's funny. A lot of people say that about music. Is like nobody is a musician for the music. <laughs> They're, they're in it for the girls. Growing up, I grew up as a Jehovah's Witness. And so with that religious backing, that wasn't something that I could pursue if I wanted to uh, be a member of the church. Oh, right. So for me, I can honestly say I really did it for the music. <laughs> <laughs> I was, you know, I was a music nerd that I, you know. Yeah. I, the, so because of that, I dove into the music and just kind of buried my head there. And um, yeah, so when that, it came time for that, it was almost like it wasn't that difficult of a decision to make. I, I just knew that it, where I wanted, I had a vision for something that I wanted, and I didn't believe that this this was it. And fortunately, I'd, I was fortunate enough that I'd had the experience of starting enough bands. I, I felt confident I could start another one. Right. Um, and in this case, it actually is turning out that I'm not starting a new band. I'm actually working on a musical. Uh, I have yeah. no idea how that's going to turn out. Amazing yeah. evolution. But, yeah. yeah, it is a crazy... I, I, I think it's also important to realize that when you start... And I, I'm sure this is true with story. When you start out with an artistic idea, you're looking at some point in the future and you have an idea. This is going to be X, Y, Z, whatever you think it's going to be. You can be... You know for sure it's not going to be whatever you think. And it's one of the beauties yeah. that I, I find in art is that you're heading in this direction but you actually don't know where you're going to arrive right and so for me I, I've never been a theater theater brat I've never like studied actors it's just not my thing but here I find myself in a position where I'm working on a, a musical and I'm very passionate about it so I never I didn't see my life going this way but I'm happy that it's it's here and I don't know where it's going to go from here but being able to be part of the, this journey and this ride is the 
best thing ever. <laughs> I, I love that. Well, that's maybe another myth, is that when you start whatever artistic endeavor you're starting, that you know what it's going to look like later. Yeah, nothing I ever know. ends the way you thought it would. <laughs> well, yeah. uh, it's like, yeah. you always start out to write a good song, right? Yeah. But, like, I, I try and remind myself that you can never do that. You can never set out to write a good song because you don't know how the song is going to be. You can't set yeah. out to write a good story. All you can do is sit down and write. Yeah. But you don't know how it's going to be. It could be amazing. Some of the best songs were written in 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. You know, I've had things that I've labored over for weeks that are mediocre at best. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's and I've had stuff that I labored over and, and finally turned out pretty good. But yeah. Yeah. You don't know. You, yeah, you just never know. Like we talk about, like on in storytelling, like in script writing, it's like you never really, like we talk about how like great great scripts aren't written; they're rewritten. Yeah, and you know you try for something when you when you're writing that first mm-hmm. draft. You you do you have this thing in mind, um, you know, like a theme, a message that that you're trying to communicate mm-hmm. with this with this script, but you don't really actually know what you've written, what your story is actually all about until, until you've, you've written that first, that first Mm -hmm. draft, which is probably not very good (laughs) actually, but like you don't, yeah, you just don't know. You just don't know what, what roads it's going to take. There's going to be so many, like we, we use this road trip analogy recently to describe this. It's like, you know, it's like you, you know where you're leaving from, and you know your planned destination, you know, maybe you have a couple of ideas mm-hmm. of like places you're gonna you're gonna go through yeah. on your way. But it's impossible it it's is the places com- you believe you'll go through. Yes. But it's it's completely impossible to know everything that can happen because once like you can plan you can plan that trip all you want, you can plan that road all you want, but you won't know it until you've actually driven it. You won't yeah. Like you won't actually have the full experience of it. Every twist, every curve, every tree, every rock, <laughs> you know, yeah. every sight that you're going to see along the way, there's no way that you can, you can premeditate any of that. And you're not doing it with a map and you're not doing it with GPS. <laughs> you're yeah. doing it yeah. by looking at the signs that say this direction and you're trying to figure it out as you go and you experience things along the way. I think like I think that's the, I think the myth is that, you know, between two places that you want to go, that there's some type of direct line and there isn't, you know, it's, it's a windy road and there's all sorts of things that you're going to experience along the way, you know? Yeah. Um, but well, so what, I mean, so like, uh, I don't know, like what, so what are, what are these myths? What are we, what are we finding here? I mean, as far as like, you know, the the artist lifestyle and like getting into this and like what what we kind of think it's going to be and what it actually is i think like one of them we we, we touched on that um it's going to be that it's going to be easy mm-hmm. you know um it's it's not there's a book that i think is really really good called the the war of art yeah 
We talk yeah. about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We yeah. have. Oh, you do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We do. We've we mentioned that more than once. I don't know if you've ever heard of it before. <laughs> but it's brilliant. It's uh, brilliant. Yeah, yeah it's just I, what I just took away from that is like, do your work. Yeah, it's a lot of work, so just keep doing it. Mm-hmm. You have to write a lot of bad stuff to get there, so just do it and get it out of the way. Couldn't make any excuses. Yeah, yeah, yeah and it's it's like that for, for me. Um, but like, I I I love it so much that it's it doesn't feel like work and which is which is why doing it because you love it is one of the best yeah. reasons well but, and for me like sometimes the things that that whenever usually it's when work that I know that I love doing becomes hard it's because of an expectation that I've placed on it mm-hmm. you may have lost touch with why you're yeah. even doing it yeah you're just like you're like oh my god like it's got to be this thing it's like man just think like if you had no expectation about whatever, like this thing, this, this point of inspiration, you're like, I feel compelled to write this, to make this, like, I just, I feel it in me to do this and you're doing it. And it's in that process where suddenly like, you know, you can have these moments where you're just like, Oh, like it becomes hard. Mm. And yeah, you, it's usually because you completely lost sight of, of that place that you started from, you know, that, that, inspired place where it came from. And I've usually become focused on some sort of expectation or thing that I want it to do or that it should do or blah, blah, any endless number of things that I have absolutely no control over. And it's like, man, if, if you can just go forward and create these things without any expectation of, of what's going to happen with it, like the, the amount of freedom that you have to then make it is extraordinary. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's so true. I mean, I think also like the, the whole myth that you can really like plan to do something great, you know, like, yeah, you, yeah, you know, you you mentioned that about the songs. I mean, it's the same with the story. I mean, like, you know, I, I, I actually, I think the thing is, is like, I write so much now that like, I don't even think about if it's going to be great. I, I just look at it like I got to tell the story. I got to figure out a way. And it's usually because you, I think this is great. Yeah. <laughs> I, or, yeah or they paying me a lot of money. <laughs> and, um, I got to figure out how to make this thing work. But I, I actually, I don't even remember the last time I thought about if a script would be great or not. And I think that's kind of the freedom, you know, it's like once you just kind of go, I'm just telling a story and I like, mm-hmm. look at it. I'm like, it could be shit. It might, it probably will be. That's good, but I'll figure it out. Like, it's like, what's the best way to tell this story? Yeah. You know? And usually I find like, I mean, it's usually there's something like you, you get a little tie into something. I imagine yeah. it's probably similar with a painting or with a, with a song or with just about anything, but you get a, or a character you're playing as an actor, but you get a, a tie into something and you go, okay, I'm going to run with this a little bit. And it gives you just enough. Yeah. to like have something cool you know? and to be like, Oh, well, this isn't the only thing that you're ever going to do. Yeah. You know, like this is, you know, like there's, there's, there's a million stories to be told. I mean, songwriting is, is storytelling mm-hmm. too, you know, like it's, there's so many parallels to it, but there's, yeah. Like to, to treat something as if this is like your one and only, you know, it's like, I think you're, you're just limiting and, and, it's not too much credit to, to your own ability to do something. Um, yeah. 
there was something that I wanted <laughs> to add to this, but it's gone. So <laughs> well, I was thinking about what Seth was saying there. You know, you're saying that you created bands before, and you could you felt okay to end the band because you know how to create a band. I mean. Mm-hmm. The, the creator, and I think this is a really important thing, that I, th- I think a lot of artists get into any art medium and they don't realize that if you are the creator, if you build the skills, you know, you are totally free of so many options, you know, but if you're someone who's only ever like invited onto something, you're, you, you know, I think you're trapped because you're so limited in what you can do. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like you don't know how to build it yourself. And if no one ever accepts you or brings you on board, like what will you do? Whereas like, you know, if you can create another project or you can create another thing, it's like, yeah, well, I, you know, this, this, so this doesn't work out. I know how to do another one. I'll do another one. You know, yeah. I have options, right? It feels much more free. Well, the, the band doesn't define you. Like, yeah. like the band doesn't define me. Yeah. I define the band. Right. I create the band. I create the songs. I am, I am the creator. If it, well, the moment I become dependent on that band for my success, then it's 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 the band that, that is calling the shots or the the music and the, that just can never be the case right it's but backwards it must be for some people um well, i think it is then. and I, there's even specific bands that i think just were hammering it um i think i i feel like and maybe i'm wrong um when i think about the ramones they i think about that because they had a very specific sound for anybody who's a Ramones fan, I'm a huge Ramones fan, but I do know that they didn't achieve the level they, that I that they wanted to. That being said, they're in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. They're one of the most influential bands of history. I could go on and on and on, but um, when I from the the little that I know about the Ramones, um, and and I've seen this in other artists, that, musicians that I've worked for too. Some people, I think this comes back to working hard and smart. Some people are just like, we got to do it, like push it. We're, you know, keep doing it. Got to play more shows. We got to, that may not be the answer. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that they, they pushed a, a lot doing what they did. They did uh, amazing things. They had a song, they reached a certain level with that. But sometimes we're, we're getting from point zero to 10 takes one set of skills it takes maybe a different set to get from 10 to 20 um mm-hmm. you know you got here through certain things but to get to the next level requires a whole different skill set you know so what? i killed the band so sometimes you have to end the thing you know yeah because you need something else that's not that worked before but you need something new now that is so, uh, you know, if I look back in my life, and that is absolutely so true. Mm-hmm. The, the skills you needed from 1 to 10 are different than the skills you need from 10 to 20, and I imagine from 20 to 30 and so on. I mean, it's just, it's different. And if you don't, you know, if you don't evolve to that, you will never pass the stage you're at. I mean, you you know, you have to think, you have to, you have to think differently as you... Um, move your way up these other stages. Uh, actually, you know, okay, I watched this video on, uh, I think it was YouTube the other day, and it was Snoop Dogg, and he was talking about... I love Snoop Dogg. Yeah, it, he was kind of talking about his homies and how you gotta <laughs> leave leave some people behind, because he's like, yeah, he's like, I would go out of my way to help people, get them on stage, help them have a career, and they weren't gonna work, they wouldn't do it, and he said, like, the problem is, there's a certain point where it's like, for me to keep hanging out with them, I have to keep going back down to their level because they will not come up to mine. Mm-hmm. And he's like, at a certain point, 
you know, I don't want to limit myself because people don't want to grow. And he's like, it doesn't matter how many opportunities you give them. They want to stay there. And so like, you know, and, and, and I think that's the thing is like, I think that's the hard part about being an artist. I think actually, if you want to be a successful artist, I think you have to be willing to let things go, leave people behind and it's, and not look at yourself as wrong for that. Because I think that, um, you know, it's like a lot of people in life don't want to grow, you know, but I think if you're choosing the life of an artist, you're choosing a life of growth and evolution and, Mm -hmm. you know, well, one of my favorite artists is Neil Young and he's like, and you look at his, like his history as a musician, like, you know, he was in, you know, Buffalo Springfield and then he left Buffalo Springfield, did his own thing. Then he was in Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young, like, and he played with these other guys called Crazy Horse. You know, it's like he's, and I watched this great documentary about him and, and for him, like it was, it was like, he was always about the music. It was just like, where was that pulling him always? Like he had no tie to who he was making it with, you know, just that he was going to make it and to, and wherever he felt drawn to, to doing it, Hmm. you know, and, and sometimes that, and he even admits like admitted in, he's like, yeah, like I've upset some people Hmm. like through this, through Mm -hmm. doing this, you know, some people have really gotten pissed off at me and I've hurt a lot of feelings because of it. It's like, but he was like, I did, I did what I felt I had to do at Mm -hmm. the time, you know? And he maybe even said like, he, he maybe even, you know, has certain feels he's made certain mistakes along the way. Of course, I Mm -hmm. mean, you're going to make mistakes, but I mean, you can't be afraid of making mistakes when you're taking on, on the path of an artist. I mean, that's one of the areas you've got to learn to thrive in. Well, you know, I was, I was watching another video, watching a lot of YouTube videos. It's Will Smith. And I always say this all the time, but uh, you know, he's awesome. I love it. It's good to hear from him, but he said, yeah, you fail upwards. And he said that part of the problem of success is that you stop being willing to fail because there's so much more you think that you're going to lose, you know, like commercial success, whatever. Mm -hmm. And he said from watching his kids, he, he, he's, he's like, I'm learning, I'm realizing that I've been kind of afraid to fail now. And he's like, that's what I got to get back to because that's how everything, you know, that's how we, that's how we grow. I mean, it, it really literally is fail upwards. And I think if you're trying to avoid failure, perfectionism, right? Yeah. If you are, you know, and I've done that myself way too much than I like, than I like to admit, but if you, you stop yourself from failing, you know, you need to go there. You need to fail. You need to learn, take that data mm-hmm. and, and then, and then go. I think that's why it's so important to finish a script like immediately write it like in weeks or whatever, get it done because you need to, you need to have it fail in the world as a piece. Mm -hmm. And then once it fails, you can go or whatever, maybe it turns out to be really wonderful, but it's probably going to fail. And then you can learn from that. But if you try to make it perfect, you'll never learn and it will never be perfect because you never learned. You never failed Mm -hmm. over and over. I, 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 you know, most screenwriters, by the time they've written their first draft, I, I average it out. I've written five to seven drafts. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> like just think That's about awesome. how much, like it's no uh-huh. wonder I'm a working screenwriter now because like I, and, and I don't even look at it as work. I just write it and I look at it 
And then I go, okay. <laughs> and you gonna, and you now start, I'm going to rewrite it. You <laughs> start from scratch and you edit start, that one. I, I'll start from scratch. Sometimes I'll take a script, and I've done this before, where I've literally gone and put it to the side, and I've just rewritten another one, and I just use that as, like, my preliminary work. I don't really do, like... Oh, that's so interesting. I don't so really you, do research huh. either, because I learned from my mentors is, you know, do a minimum, very minimum amount of research, and you know what I found is writing the screenplay is the research. Then you open up That's the questions. interesting. You right. open up the questions you needed to ask that you didn't know to ask before anyway. Yeah. And you, and you go, Oh, I didn't know to ask that question, but now I know to ask that question. So by the time your first draft's done, then you're actually prepared to do research. Right. Because now you know what, what's being asked of the work. Right. Yeah. It's what the work is asking of you. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting because I'm having I'm writing for the first time this this play, and I, I have no idea how other people go about it. But what I, one of the things I wanted to do was to I wanted to write a like a what a one page like synopsis of, of the whole thing that describes everything that happens. And I wanted to just make sure that I wanted to have all all the kind of the the twists and turns, just the basic skeleton, yeah. figured out before I start because I don't want to get halfway through and realize the whole second half doesn't doesn't work. I think it's so. I've just been going and I've been rewriting and moving things around. I just insane amounts of times doing that, but I've learned so much from that process. I I don't even know how many times I've just rewritten the description of, of what happens. And then written, it's almost like playing, you know, it's like getting out my toys and my, my little character. And I just like, I rewrite it and like, see how it looks and then see how it looks. And there for me, it's been a huge educational process of learning about the characters and things just from, from doing that. Well, my, when it comes to writing, my, my rule for myself is you're either creating or you're editing. You're not doing both. Mm hmm. So I don't, I wear entirely different hats. When I'm creating, I don't edit myself. I'm free. I'm a kid. I oh, that's play. so great. Nobody judges that's me. So Nothing is wrong. important. Oh my yeah, gosh. I think that's brilliant. Then when I'm a, then when I edit, I'm kind of like a parent. I Ooh. go in and I go, okay, let's look at this now, now that it's a thing. Because now the, now the kid can leave and the kid's not judged. Because mm-hmm. you get you a kids, couple of hats too. That's really yeah. good. <laughs> you get me a couple of hats, yeah. It's like, put your hat on. Yeah. The creator, <laughs> the editor. Yeah, it's really, I, and I think that's so important because I used to, in my younger years, I used to edit and write. I worked on one script for years. Like, just years. <laughs> like, and I'd be done and then I'd edit and I'd be, but it was like not, it was just always a work in progress. It was painful and it was just, just, a, a rough experience. I learned a lot through the whole process, but it was like, if script writing was like that, I, I wouldn't be a screenwriter. <laughs> yeah. But writing one and completing it and then editing it and doing one or the other, like doing one job on it, so enjoyable. <laughs> it's like, it sounds it's great. Yeah, it it's sounds fun. great. So anyway, if you're writing your play, that's what I recommend. Create. And I, I, I do that too. I, uh, and Evan and I, when we write together, we always work out the skeletal structure of the script. Right. And then fill in the details, and you can you can when you're edit you write the skeletal structure, then edit the skeletal structure, and then you know whatever you get that right, and then write the script, create the script. And once the script's created, then edit the script. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you're right. You need to work out the ending. You need to work out the plot points. Yeah, so I think we have those now, thankfully. But and that for me that was like such a fun, such a fun. Uh, experience of going through and doing that love awesome. well I can't wait to read that 
Um, yeah. Okay, so why don't we wrap it up? So one of the things that we always do, Seth, on the end of this show is we look at the point that stuck out with us, the thing that we learned or took from this, mm-hmm. kind of the takeaway. You know, we no, covered yeah. a lot of stuff, but yeah. what's the thing that stood out to you that, you know, you really go, yeah, you know, if I was going to leave people with that, that was the thing for me that really made, kind of made a difference. For, for me, it's like, why are you doing this? Why are you doing this? Why are you doing this? Why do you want to be... Why do you want to do this? I think it's important that you can do your art and if nobody ever, ever sees it and nobody ever approves of it, that's okay. Yeah. You're... you're, you're actually, you're just as... You're, you're good. You're totally fine. <laughs> like, not a single person... Every single person was like, ah, no. If you can... If for me, and that's what I strive to in, in, in my artwork, which kind of ties into selling out and, and like our path and all kinds of things but that's what I, I strive to do it's what I imagine that my mom does um, and even if it fails or everyone else if, if, if I feel good about it and I've accomplished what I've set out to do then I feel like I'm successful hmm. that's how I define it for me but being clear on why we're doing it because if, if you set out there to be like a session guitarist the best ever that's very different and uh, Evan, um, I also want to hear your point. And we got to mention the yes, beer. Yes, yeah, absolutely. So um, uh, we'll get to our points. Why don't we mention the beer before we get to our points? Oh, okay. Um, the uh, the beer today is from Main Street Brewing Company. Yes. This is uh, fresh from their um, one of their seasonals or new ones that they've got. This mm. is their uh, Naked Fox IPA. Ooh. Mm-hmm. I and I, I saw it, and yeah, I was just like, well, I guess <laughs> we know what we're going to do here. <laughs> she sounds um, hot. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> um, and as far as, as for me, it's like, yeah, it's um, really, really engage. Yeah, that why, like, why do you want to create art and, and whatever it is that you're feeling, whatever compulsion it is to do, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's why, yeah, like, why do you feel like doing that? Because eventually you are going to come up to this crossroads of why you are doing it. It, Mm -hmm. That is something you will have to answer at some point. It doesn't matter. So figure it out and, and, and love what that is. Love that work that goes into it as we've been talking about, like, because that's most of what you're going to be doing is the work. So find a way to love that if that's true. And the, the worst that happens is you can find that you don't actually love it and you can move on to something else. Right. Um, and also just in terms of practicality, I just love what you just said at the end, Brandon here about, you know, wearing these different hats and being a kid and playing, you know, really, and just, just engage and have fun, like enjoy it. That's, yeah. I mean, that's why you, for like you kind of really want to be an artist to me it's like because you want to you want to have fun like yeah, you want to enjoy yeah. yourself enjoy the experience yeah so make That's, it joy make it find a way to make all of it joy to you yeah you know i, I my my point is not too far from what both you said the why i mean but you said something in this seth where you said you know it's hard work it's like you got to work hard and you were using some examples and i it just really hit home with me you know like it is hard work. And you know, I think the difference between someone who's really successful at really anything is that they don't really view the hard work as hard work. It's not like to other people, it looks like hard work, Mm -hmm. but to them, 
um, I, I think that they learn to really enjoy it. Like you're saying, Evan, I think they really enjoy doing it. Like, um, I don't know. Like I think about myself, like I do a lot of writing where I don't get paid for. And I would think that probably a lot of people look at that as a lot of work, but I really, really love doing it. I really like doing it. So the practice I'm doing is not laborious. It's Mm -hmm. yeah. And that's, and you know, most people are never going to read that stuff. You know what I mean? So the, the, the script they finally read that, that uh, I'm a part of or do or whatever, that's such a small fraction of the work that I've done, you know? Yeah. And I mean, if you find yourself in a place where, you know, it's, it's really becoming hard and, and being a major stress to you, then, you know, I would say first and like go to where you began, where it all started from. Do you still connect to that? Then great. The fact that you've connected it probably is going to fuel you to keep, to keep yeah, going. Yeah. And if you come back to it and you're not connected to it anymore, move on. Right. You know, like it's you, something that what you just said reminded me, and this, this is something that proved to be really, really valuable to me because I, I agree with, with what both of you said, and which is why I think it's so important to love what you do, because when you love what you do, you will, you will do all those things that other people find difficult at one, I, I did reach a point at one point where, um, I, I would set up practice things for me to do. And I set up something where I would write a hundred songs in a hundred days, just as a practice thing for me. And during that process, there were days that I didn't want to, mm. there were, I would wake up and, and sometimes I skip a couple days and I have like three songs I have to write today. And I, I set it up with certain parameters that would make it easy. But when I would just start doing it and I would be able to find that joy, there wasn't a single time that I would approach a project having or uh, having to do it because I was behind my schedule that I didn't find something I connected to and it happened so quickly hmm. and suddenly it, it became easy and I started, Oh, this chord sounds great. Oh, I have this idea. And it just started rolling. Hmm. Um, so it's just, for, so sometimes it's taking the first step. Yeah. It's just getting started. It was taking the first step and, and reconnecting that you love doing this. Yeah. Well, you know, we got to end this podcast because yeah. Evan has got to go to the water. I definitely. <laughs> the bladder. I definitely. <laughs> got to watch you over there. My like, bladder is just uh, like, like. I've been there. Oh, right God. I've been there. Oh, God. It was the coffee but and you know coffee what? followed by You're holding it really well. Main oh, Street you. Brewery, he's been drinking a lot of your beer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he likes your naked fox. <laughs> um, all, all right. right. Yeah, let's well, call Well, thank it. you very much for joining us today. Mm, thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks thanks for coming on, Seth. It was awesome. And it was a really good talk about a lot of stuff. Absolutely. That was our show for today. Thanks a lot for listening and being a part of this. If you enjoyed our conversation, please subscribe and share with your friends and family. Or you can learn more and message us at www.thebndpodcast.com. Oh, and make sure to leave a comment and rate us on iTunes. That will really help us out a lot. It definitely will. Thanks. Thanks.